Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. I'm Chase Rolson with Rubline Marketing. This is Jeff Lindsay. This is Michael Pitt. Hey, everybody. It's John Dudley from Knock On TV. Hey, guys. This is Jared Scheffler from Whitetail Adrenaline. Hi. I'm Taylor Drury from Drury Outdoors. Hey, this is Nick Martin from Ball Collector. Hey, this is Melissa Blackman. Working Class Bow Hunter. Working Class Bow Hunter. Working Class Bow Hunter Podcast. Working Class Bow Hunter Podcast. Working Class Bow Hunter. Working Class Bow Hunter. Working Class Bow Hunter. You're listening to the Working Class Bow Hunter. That's right. This is the podcast for Billy Joe Lunchbucket, the working man, just like me and you. My name's Travis T. Bone Turner from the Bone Collector. Thank you for tuning in. Nobody pushes the envelope like working class bow hunter. It's really, really not that good. Working class bow it is episode number 225 of the Working Class Bowhunter Podcast. We are right here at 1600 Buckslayer Place, the beautiful Buckatorium. Mm-hmm. And I say beautiful because everyone in here is beautiful. Yeah. Lovely. Sherrard, Illinois. Zip code undetermined. I don't even think this uh, town has a zip code. It doesn't actually. Prove me wrong. Uh, my name is Steve. In the studio today is Kurt. Hey, guys. Eric. Howdy. And Tank, the intern. I'm here. Again. <laughs> Tank, tank Cameron Tank. Notepad and a whiskey. He's good. <laughs> That's how we pay him. Dude, he's, he's, he's a country uh, country artist on the rise. Yeah. He's drinking, wearing shorts, and uh, has a beard, so he's got mm. most of the qualifications. <laughs> Did you say what episode number this was? 225. Wow. That's a milestone. Every, everything's a milestone from now on. <laughs> <laughs> what, just because I do something? Every time we're going to say that, oh, this is a milestone for mile- Oh, I thought you were saying because I didn't screw it goes, something up. It goes, a milestone. <laughs> it goes in five episode increments. No, oh, what a milestone. Damn. Yeah. Mm. Man, this episode's going platinum, boy. 
Damn. All right. Give me a veteran shout out. You want a veteran shout out? Me, in the meanwhile, while he's pulling that up, you can go to com, the contact form, and submit a veteran there. Help us with pronunciation, please. And uh, thank you to all our veterans. All right. So the vet shout out this week is uh, one Mr. Blake East. Uh, Branch, he's a Marine. Uh, Marine Corps. Hope I said that right. Marine Corps. I'm I'm just riling everyone's feathers. Uh, Blake East served for four years in the United States Marine Corps as an uh, 0311 ah, infantry rifleman. See, this guy did it right. He taught me how to pronounce that. He did one tour in Afghanistan. He's an extremely passionate about, or he's an extremely passionate hunter, has consistently killed mature deer in Pennsylvania. He also introduced me to hunting uh, and inspired me to join the Marines. I will be finishing up a six-year enlistment as a July as a three-five-two-one diesel mechanic, nice. uh, and that's it. This is uh, your buddy Alex Whitmore. Uh, Whitmore, Moyer, uh, dude, you got to tell me how to pronounce your own name. Alex uh, sent this in for Blake. Um, both those guys can be found at Final Stop Outdoors on Instagram. It's a page I used to share their whitetail um, hunting journey together. So. Blake, thank you for your service to this country, and you, you as sir. well, Alex, because not only did you uh, get a guy to uh, become passionate about the outdoors, but passionate about the country that the outdoors happens to be in, and he wants to uh, go defend it. So thank, thank you both for your service, especially you, Blake East. Thank you. Very cool. Thank you, guys. That's all I got. Yep. Um, let's just cut into it. First, we got to talk about a sponsor. That is, It's that time of year for this sponsor, yep. um, especially Sniper Hunting Products. Um, we are using their cell cams and their non-cellular cams. I'm in love with them. I know Eric loves his. Mine works out great. I, I got it. a cell tower right on the north end of my property. <laughs> yeah. um, but no, it's uh, they're awesome cameras. Battery life's good. Picture quality is excellent. And we can save you some money if you're wanting to dive into your first cell cam or get another one. Code working. Or it's WCBH10. And you save yourself a little bit of money. And I think that even applies on top of their sales. So if you look for a sale, don't you dive in there, throw that code on there. Yeah, I don't know for sure, but it try it. Sale on a sale. Um, so, yeah, check out sniperhuntingproducts.com. Awesome stuff and great people behind that business, too. So we don't do business with companies that have shitty people behind them. At yeah, least when, we try not to. When even their lower-end uh, camera has a little nice uh, little LCD screen, a little uh, two-and-a-half-inch LCD screen, dude, you know you're in business. They're putting out a great oh, yeah. camera. It's good stuff. And good it was stuff. E- it was easy for me to set up and figure out. So if I can figure it out, set it up. Anyone can. Anybody can. <laughs> I will say this. I I do. I've used the, uh, the Moultrie Mobile setups. I'm not trying to do that whole company versus company thing because it is what it is. But uh, one thing I do like about the sniper, when you move it, you shut it off and move it and turn it on, and it's fine. With, like, the Moultrie setup, you have to, like, make sure the modem's fucking connected to the camera. And then you got to make sure that there's signal on the modem. And then you got to sit there and stand in front of it and wait five, ten minutes. Like, oh, okay, yeah, send in pictures to the app. We're right. good. Nothing is worse than thinking that it's working, and then you leave, especially if it's a, a piece of property, which is why you're putting a cell cam there that you don't want to walk into all the time. And to find out that it's not working, you got to walk out, then walk back in to fix it. It's uh, snipers just made it simple, so that's we my like selling simple. point. That's right. We're all simple minded here. Wait, no, I take that back. That's an insult to all of us. Simple minded ain't bad. Mm. Dumb. I mean, that's you. <laughs> <laughs> There's a difference. <laughs> Dumb, and that's you. <laughs> uh, check out Elite Archery. Uh, super excited. Our rituals should be right around the corner. Really pumped for those. Um, I'm shooting the tempo currently. 
Tank, you just bought a Tempo. Sure did. All camo. Yeah, mm. all camo. And Eric, you're shooting the options seven. Seven, yep. I love it. I'm going to step down on the option six. I'm going to step down. It's a little faster. Well, it's a number down. Hey, where were you at the 3D shoot last week in Broheim? Yeah. I was... You didn't uh, show up. No, I was. Uh, I went to church and uh, dinner with uh, you didn't go my to church. Mm. <laughs> Believe what you want. Don't forget, I, I'm a confirmed Catholic. <laughs> no. Okay. But, no, I, I definitely would have. It, it would have been cool. It's a yeah. It was, you would have lost. I'm sure. Yeah, it was a good you thing guys, you, didn't you guys did the Father's Day shoot, and um, you know, I'd, we all shot good. Eric was a little hungover. I was hungover. So what time did you guys end up getting? Sam going? did beat you though. I know. <laughs> yeah, it was terrible. <laughs> I won. That you won mm. this whole thing. I did. did you, like style points, you know, fashion points. Oh, fashion. Okay, just want to figure out what you're doing. Good taste and personality. <laughs> <laughs> okay. win we're getting nowhere with this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ethics Archery is also a sponsor that's in right now um, because of it's summertime. You should be shooting your bow and thinking about maybe if you're going to change something. Now is the time to change it. Um, assuming that you're not in the middle of hunting something, but you should always be working on your equipment. I am shooting the hundred grain inserts in my new arrow setup for elk and yeah pretty excited about that there's a code wcb gives you 10 percent off ethics inserts um scent crusher hha um that's another uh thing going on right now scent crusher we use the room clean that's it's always in business for us or our sweaty clothes or when you're going into some sensitive areas um hha lifetime warranty on all their products Made in America. We're tuning those in just all fine and dandy. Mana coolers are coming in handy right now in the summer. Mm-hmm. Been getting those out every weekend. Uh, Rattler grips. Those were a big hit at the shoot, man. People were liking yeah, our were. grips. So uh, we actually did a giveaway there, too. So if you want your own custom set of grips or you want your own working class bow hunter grips, just hit up Rob at Rattler Grips on Facebook. And I think he got everything, bro. Wow. This episode, we have the homie, Clint Casper. What's up, dude? What's going on, fellas? I was hoping you didn't fall asleep during that long intro. We let him just stay on there. What's up? No, I I got through my my bottle of Jack and three beers. I'm just sitting back and listening to you guys talk. I was, I mean, I was, I was intrigued. I was enjoying it. I mean, you were mesmerized. it It was good conversation. It was good conversation. Well, what's up, man? You haven't been on for a while, and I'm sorry for that. Ah, man, it's all right. Everybody's busy, man. Busy, busy. Uh, finishing up farming, wrapped up shed season, and then right into turkey season. And, you know, you, you know me, I'm always over here doing the planting beans and corn deal with Dad. So uh, finally getting that wrapped up. And, uh, yeah, man, had uh, both boys had birthdays, one in March, one in May, and there's just a ton of stuff going on. Uh yeah, man, just been busy. Me and Danielle both been super busy and uh, getting ready for getting ready for hunts and season. And wanted wanted to get to Montana and bear hunt, but man, that snow line up there was just so bad this year. Just yeah, I didn't know if you went to that hunt or not. I was going to no, ask you about man. that. Nope, didn't make it. I mean, I was I was staying in close contact with uh, my buddy Brian Barney and then our other buddy Dan out there. And man, they just weren't getting into bears. And I mean, it was just so tough. So much snow. I mean, they only had about two weeks of the whole season that was even worth probably going out, and um, just hard to get on any. I mean, you know, it was just one of them deals where it was like, you know, they were hunting five, six days a week and seeing, like, one bear. So they're like, man, they're like, you know, you could come out here for 10 days, 12 days, and literally only see – 
too bad, you know, I mean, it was, it was just bad, you know, just bad conditions. And I'm just like, man, you know, like, to okay, I got a question for that. you. That's Montana, all black bears. What, um, what's the fascination of going to Montana to hunt black bear versus Canada? Is it the difference between bait and spot and stock? Well, I mean, I just, I mean, it's just, Montana has a bunch of color phase bears. So like you can run into cinnamons, uh, chocolates. They have a lot of blondes. Um, yeah, I mean, like, don't get me wrong, like the bait thing. I mean, that's super effective, and I mean, like, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a cool hunt. I mean, I'm sure it's like I've never really hunted bears like to where it's just straight hunting over like a garbage pile type of deal. So, right. <laughs> Box of I mean, donuts. Know, yeah, but Dumpster. like I know a lot of guys. I mean, I, I know, I know that's like an effective way to do it. But I mean, I just like Montana's gorgeous. Number one. Um, I got, you know, two really good buddies out there and Dan and Brian that are just super fun to hunt with. And, um, I just really like it. I mean, it's a tough hunt. I mean, the, the percentage, the, the, the kill percentage for, um, archery out there on bears, public land. I mean, dude, it's like low, low, low. So, I mean, it's, you know, it's just, it's just one of them. I mean, you guys all know how I am. I, I like that tough, different shit. I mean, I, I, I just like that. I you just like the challenge. challenge. Is that yeah. just an yeah. over-the-counter type of hunt? So, like, if I wanted to go, I could just go get one over-the-counter? How does that work? Yeah, yeah. But you, you take a... You, you take a bear quiz because you have to you have to be able to think to distinguish between a grizzly and a black bear because there's quite a few grizzlies out there. So, can you even get a grizzly yeah. tag in Montana? No, no. What the fuck no. for? Why not? <laughs> uh, I mean, well, I mean, a lot of states, man, you can't hunt. You know, there's there's very few states that even allow any type of like. I mean, my, there might be a spot in there might be like special permit deal somewhere in Montana, but none that I'm aware of. Uh, there's just not a whole lot of them. I mean, there's enough to be aware. I mean, like, I've seen some out there. I mean, I've seen probably four or five. Really? I've been to, Mon- I've been to Montana three times. Yeah, I've seen, uh, I can think of four that I've seen for sure. Um, two and two. Yeah, I think I've seen, yeah, and then I saw a big male. So, yeah, I've seen, I've seen five. I've seen five, and I've been out to Montana three times, so... Well, they're there. They're just five. not. I mean, they're just not as. Uh, it's not like a black bear, like right. fucking raccoons everywhere. No, I mean, <laughs> Giant fucking I mean, raccoons, I mean, dude. <laughs> and I mean, even the black bears. I mean, there's a lot of bears, but I mean, you got to work for them. I mean, you know, you could hunt two days, fifteen hours a day of walking, glassing, and hiking, and, and have thirty hours in and and have not seen a bear. I mean, you know, I mean, it's. I mean, it's just they're they're a tough they're a tough tough animal to hunt. I mean, they move around a lot. I mean, they're you know they're they're hard to predict. I mean, they could literally be about anywhere. And in the spring, right before they're getting ready to breed, I mean, they're covering a lot of territory. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot there's a lot of luck uh, involved in that as far as just just running into them. I mean, mm-hmm. some of some of that dark timber, you could sit on the edge of a meadow waiting on a bear to come out in that meadow and feed, and if it's not if you're not there in the 10 minutes that he decides to be there, you might sit there all day and leave it, leave between four and five. And that bear comes out at four fifteen and feeds to four twenty five, and then goes back in the dark timber. And literally, if you're not there for that window right there in that spot, you may not see that bear for three more days. I mean, that's just, I mean, that's just the game that you play. You know, it's just, right. a, you know, it's a little secluded pockets where the, Usually in the spring, it's the the greenest grass and the greenest features are where you'll see, you'll find your bears and stuff. But, you know, it's, 
like I said, this year there was so much snow and rain and stuff early on. I mean, it was just tough to get right. into some of those really good spots. But uh, yeah, I'm just curious because that's something I was talking today with a couple buddies about doing a bear hunt next year because it's kind of like a bucket list hunt, especially for like a Midwestern guy whose oh, yeah. primary hunting is whitetail hunting. Right. I feel like black bears in that top three to five. That's like, oh, it's it's a bucket list thing. You want to do it? I always say I think it's something I'll do once and. If I get the bug, maybe you know, maybe I'll do it again over yep. bait, or maybe you know, yep. I want to be like, oh, I'm going to go to Montana and do that style of black yeah, bear well, hunting. Well, ask Austin Chandler when he's like, yeah, I'll do this just once, and when he's gone like two, three yeah, years hooked. in a row, yeah, he's well, hooked. Yeah, man, it's it, it's addicting. I mean, it's fun. I mean, I killed that one in Saskatchewan, and then um, I was pumped to go to Montana and hunt with Brian. And I mean, I could have killed some smaller, you know, five footers and stuff, but I was looking for, you know. I was looking for a good one and, and one that was going to be, uh, you know, mature and stuff. And I just ran into a bunch of younger ones and a couple of the older, the older, uh, more right. mature boars. I just never got in, you know, never got into and, and got in on close enough, you know, put some stocks on, but just wasn't able to get it, get it done and stuff. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, no, that's a fun hunt, man. Idaho's got a lot. Montana, I mean, Col- all, all those states, Colorado, Utah. I mean, there's some big bears that come out of all those. And, and there's a lot of color phase bears out there, which is cool. You well, know, while we're on the topic, man, let's just, I mean, we've talked about this before on the podcast, but um, it's something I've been thinking about a lot, just hunting different states, because you had a successful antelope hunt last, was it last September? Or uh, went, with, I, I, I went back in I went out in August and hunted seven days of Brian, and then hunted some by myself, and um, then I went straight into Colorado, didn't didn't kill any antelope, then went straight into my Colorado hunt by myself in uh, for muleys, and then I came back with four days and hunted with with our buddy dan out there came back for just a just a basically a, a four-day hunt and um got on a totally different piece of uh section of the state and some different public ground i've never hunted and man we, we got into them and ended up killing on the very last day <laughs> well i thought you <laughs> so were in yeah, montana I, with brian when you killed that maybe i was just mixed up no no i was with him early and then, I mean, I mean, we were hunting stuff that he, you know, some stuff that, that, I mean, not too far from him, hour and a half, maybe hour, you know, but I was hunting with his good buddy, Dan, that I'd become really good buddies with, you know, from just from hunting through Brian and stuff. And, uh, mm-hmm. but no, Brian was actually out with his uh, daughter. She killed a nice mule deer with her rifle. They oh, were cool. out on a father, on a father daughter hunt that same time. So, uh, cool, yeah, cool. I actually didn't, I didn't, didn't get to hook up with him, but. What hunts do you have no, planned no, no. this year? Cause I mean, I know you always got something going on. Is there, where are you going yeah, late this summer? Didn't, uh, blanked on Colorado was like 92% to guarantee to draw this really good unit and, uh, blanked. So I grabbed, um, an over the counter elk and muley tag in Idaho. So I'm actually going to land in Idaho for two weeks. Oh shit. And then, uh, yep. Yep. Going to dive in and I uh, got a couple pretty good units picked out. Over um, the counter? Yeah. Yep, got some uh, got some good uh, some good stuff there. Uh, my buddy Dan, well, the same guy, my buddy Dan. He's he was uh, he applied with me um, for Colorado, and uh, like I said, neither one of us drew. Brian drew. Brian so, got in. So the unit you're talking about for Colorado, you had preference points built up to draw this unit. Yeah, I had uh, me and Dan had three of them a piece, and we were, I mean, we were like Brian drew. With three and we did not. So I mean, he sweeped in and we didn't. So I mean, that's, that's okay. like how tight. That's how tight it was. So then we so, were like, all right. So was it fair to say well, because I built my first Colorado preference points this year because they changed the way you do it? Um, yeah. 
is it safe to say if I draw four years of preference points, I could probably draw any unit I want from Ulysses? Uh, you won't draw any unit, but see, here's here's the deal with here's the deal with these preference points. And this is what I tell people all the time. Right now, the best unit I've ever hunted in Colorado for mule deer was a one point unit. That was my second choice. That I literally like. I could draw that unit with one point every year. The difference maker there, and the reason why it's a one point unit, is because it's not known as a fantastic unit because not a lot of people you know like there's about 10 units in the state of colorado that everybody wants to hunt mule deer a lot of them's down in that gunnison area because there's always giants that come from that area but here's the deal it's colorado in every one of those units if you put in the time and you want to get back in there like for example this one unit this one point unit i'm talking about it was 13 point four miles for me to go from my truck to where i camped that was my starting point it was 13 miles in most guys most guys will not do that in that unit therefore they will never hunt the great hunting that that unit has to offer but if you're willing to go in you know some of those one point units they don't get hunted near as hard as some of these units that are four and five points because everybody and their brother wants to hunt those publicized units right right it's kind of it's it's like Look at Pike County 25 years ago. Pike County, Illinois, 25 years ago, no one even really knew what that was. Now, let's flash forward to 1999, 2001, 2005. Pike County, literally, every deer hunter in America was coming to hunt Pike County. Every And and what did that do? That literally took success rates down in Pike County, Mm -hmm. and it brought them up. And, and other surrounding counties now all of a sudden started to be the best counties in the state. Damn, son. Secretly, secretly. I mean, I was one of those guys. I was like, okay, I'm going to hunt Pike County. And then once I got to Pike County and hunted a couple times, I'm like, wait a minute. I don't want to hunt Pike County anymore. I want to hunt these surrounding counties that touch Pike County or are close to Pike County, but nobody's coming to hunt. There's right. no pressure. You know, there's right. not that all these sense. out of state. And that's kind of how I look at Colorado. I mean, dude, there's some units in Colorado you would need eight, nine, ten points to draw an archery tag from mule deer in because they're just there's the they're just spots. that you know oh yeah they're just that well known. There's there's multiple two hundred inches that come from there every year. But but like I said though, your magazines and your different places are pushing those units because they've been hot spots for years. So right, right. If you go. You know, if you go look at Eastman's or you go look at GoHunt.com or whatever, Hunt and Fool, whatever, they're going to be pushing 55 and pushing 71 and pushing, you know, blah, 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 because those units have been typically good. But there's a bazillion dudes trying to get in those units. So that's mm-hmm. why every single year it takes more and more points. Right, I'm right. Kinda, I'm on the verge of I want to get close to those areas, but I don't really want to necessarily hunt them because I can hunt every two years in a unit that's probably just as good if not better not near as many people and it's not like widely known yet but it's still down in that area so those good gene pools are still in there if that makes sense no yeah that makes perfect so basically what you're telling me because i'm building points for a good unit to draw in the next four years for uh mule deer so basically off the record you're gonna give me some insight on what units i need to get my ass in in three years (laughs) oh dude in once you hit two points, 
next year. Once you hit, once you hit two points, dude, I, I could, I could think of three units right now that if you're willing to be in good enough shape to go in 10, 12 miles, set up camp and, and, and hunt, you know, hunt for seven, eight, 10 days. No doubt in my mind, cause I've been there and done it. No doubt in my mind. I can put you, you know, in 180 plus bucks. I mean, I so mean, AKA yeah. we're going hunting in a couple of years for mule deer in Colorado. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Count me in. Let's go <laughs> road trip. We I know. I'm, I'm trying to have Steve? my feet bleed. You know what I'm saying? Steve, Steve, Steve. Steve's not at? going mule deer hunting. He can't okay. fucking walk right. to his tree stand out of the goddamn truck. Dude, Jeez. I'm, I'm telling. Oh shit! I'm telling you, man. Dude, if I can get a, uh, if I can get a golf cart or something man take me up all in all big right. ass hills you will oh, never man. go on a western hunt i don't even like when i talk about doing these hunts steve i put like you know when those they put those blinders on horses when they walk i have those that's that's me talking to everybody else but steve in the room steve's in that blind spot on my blinders because i know i know you won't go like you'll say you'll go but you don't have like the the drive you don't have the drive the yet in archery to get it done because you're going to want to just stand around and talk and bullshit and breathe heavy down the bottom of a mountain <laughs> <laughs> whereas like like i had the conversation me and cameron worked together our intern hey cameron hi we hi. were talking i'm like dude when i go on a hunt yeah i want to have fun but i'm also like trying to get after my agenda which is to be successful yeah right. but that's oh, fun yeah. to me is the, that grind like that yeah. so yeah. that's the thing like i want to go out i'm like trying to expand my knowledge into western hunting and the more research I do and the more I talk to guys like you and build these points and learn how it is. I mean, I'm not going to learn it like how you know it, Clint, until I go. But that's the exciting thing for me is throwing myself in there. Like this year in September, which, you know, we've talked about it. I've talked about it on the podcast. I'm going hunting in a unit in Colorado for elk, public land elk. More to yeah. cut my teeth on learning how to hunt while I'm building preference points in the meantime in other yeah. states and even in Colorado. Mm-hmm. So. I would rather learn on over-the-counter tags and fuck up on over-the-counter tags and learn the basics of hunting and then save my time and money and uh, on preference points and then use my knowledge from cutting my teeth on harder-to-hunt units mm-hmm. that most people are at and all yeah, that. Get your feet wet. And yeah, get my doing. feet wet, you know. Yeah. But, Clint, at the same time, I guess I'll see if you agree with this. My buddy Jeremy that we're going with hunting, um, him and my dad, we have a unit that isn't a first-pick unit. Like It wouldn't be a unit where... It doesn't seem like everyone's in this unit, and the the success odds aren't very good. But the way Jeremy was explaining to me, he's like, "Well, you got to keep in mind the success percentage for archery. That's a lot of guys that live there that buy tags that probably don't ever go. It's people yeah. that miss. It's people that don't go that deep. So that's yeah. where those oh, yeah. those percentages are played in." He's like, "There's elk there for sure. If just like yeah. you said, if we're willing to dive in there, we will get into elk." Is what he's saying. Oh yeah, I mean. Just just off the three years I've been to Colorado, two of them by myself, one of them with a buddy, the the shortest walk-in so far that I've done uh, would be seven, eight miles. And once we got past the five, six-mile mark on all these trips, I've rarely seen a person. Because not many guys, whether it's physical capability mental status or flat out they're just scared to do it they don't like getting a more than about three to five miles from that truck they just don't i mean <laughs> yeah. they just they, they just you know like last year um i was hiking up a couple of these switchbacks heading to the top of this pass to to, to dive down into this next big uh big bottom big basin and then i was going to go up the next side and in that in that bowl in that basin that was probably seven or eight guys couple elk camps couple mule deer camps and um 
I walked right through them all, and they're like, you know, where are you going? I'm like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm going to keep going. And they're like, well, hey, you know, this is mile eight, don't you know? I'm like, yeah, I know. I'm like, I, I was, I'm thinking about getting into around that 12, 13 mark. And they just looked at me like in disbelief. They're like, like you're insane. Oh, dude, like I was an alien. And they're, I mean, they're, they're like, you're going by yourself in that deep? I'm like, well, that's kind of where I'm wanting to land somewhere. I'm like, I don't know. I'm just going to play it by ear. I mean, obviously I knew I just wasn't going to say, but obviously I, I knew in my head I already had a spot picked out and knew where I was wanting to go, you know, but. They looked at me like I was out of control. I mean, like, they I mean, like I was in some type of, like, Martian that had just landed. I mean, they just gave me this look like, are you serious? <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I filled up water and bullshitted for five minutes. I'm like, all right, well, fellas, I'll, you know, catch you later. Good luck, you know, whatever. And it took off. And I know when I walked away, those guys were like, that kid's fucking nuts. Like, what is he doing? You know, I mean, like, right. they just had that, that look on their face when I said that. But... I got back there, never ran into a person besides two two hikers who were training for this like ultra marathon run. <laughs> did you see Cam and, Haynes run by here or something? Carrying no, a rock. No, yeah, carrying I did a rock. Not, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I did not see him with a rock over his shoulder and a, a selfie stick out in front of him. I did not see any of that. Um Thank God. but I mean I think I got in I think I saw thirty thirty some different bucks. And by no and, and by no means am I, you know, a professional mule deer hunter. I mean, I'm very green, still a, a rookie by by a long shot, cutting my teeth on it. But I got into five or six bucks that would have been in that 180 200 inch mark. I mean, just some giants, and was able to to make plays and hunt them for the next couple of days. I mean, it was you know I had opportunities. I mean, I never got to actually draw back and cut one loose but i mean the opportunity and the animals were there i just wasn't able to to get you know a couple times i needed 20 more yards or i needed one to stand up or i needed the wind to not shift on me or you know just stuff like that but you know it, it but the point the point i'm making is is those animals probably were never seen by any of those guys ever that i was hunting i was hunting totally different animals than what those guys were back at mm -hmm. mile eight I was out mile 13. You know, just, there's just a big difference. I mean. Yeah, and I guess but, maybe that's where it's going to it's gonna be tough, but that's where maybe we'll see more critters because our plan is, you know, we, we're planning to truck camp and also to tent camp. Actually, we're planning more to tent camp. Um, yeah. You know, that's yeah. the goal is to get in. That way we don't have to get in and then hike out and then hike back in even further so we just well, can and, and, get, get it all at once. And the one, and I mean, you know, I know we got a lot of whitetail stuff to talk about, so I don't want to spend too much, but I will get into this real quick just because I've got, got you on, you know, on the phone and we're talking about it. If there's one thing that I can tell you and, and you, you know, me and your dad talked about this whenever we was at the, the party back in the, uh, in the winter, uh, the biggest thing on those hunts is you have to realize that literally any second, a bull could cut loose, bugle, and you could be a full draw a minute later. I mean, literally, it can happen that fast at any point in time. So, I mean, like, the biggest thing is to always have that mental factor that, man, there could be a six-by-six six toad right around the next corner or right over that next hill. Or, right, right. You know, you just got to keep hunting and stay after it, dude, and something good will happen. I mean, that's the biggest that's the biggest thing that I think people forget about when they when they start planning these out west hunts is 
you've got to mentally have that mindset that there is no other option. There's no turning back. There's no quitting. Like you got to give it 110 every day, man. Well, and that's just the same thing. That's it. That I get that 100 percent because that's how I view whitetail hunting. Because oh yeah, what drives me nuts is if it's November or late October or whenever. I'm, if I'm not in the tree, I'm like fuck. There's a big buck right by my stand. Like yep. I want to be there when that buck, like you said, breaks loose and he just pops yep. up out of the timber. That's how you kill him, you know. You don't. Yep. Steve, that's why Steve doesn't do well because he doesn't go. So that's I'm, I'm not holding back on you anymore, brother. Like but, I, so but, we're but, changing but you. Steve, so what you guys are trying Steve's to say is just smart, though. Are you guys? While you guys are all out, he stays home and tends your does for you, and you guys don't even know about it. Yeah. I mean, bro. literally, like, Steve's bro, what are you like, doing? Hey, yeah. Why are you putting me on blast like this? He can't man. tend his own well, does. Son. Your big secret. I mean, no, man, why are you know doing that? This is, this is what you're doing. I mean, and, uh, hey, I, but, I mean, if it sounds like it I've been harsh on Steve the last like five podcasts, it's because yes, I am. I'm putting <laughs> the heat on you, and as we get closer to the season, it's going to get worse. I mean, uh, the last two hundred podcasts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, it's getting it's going to get worse. Like you are gonna you're gonna change as a bow hunter, man. We're trying to light a fire under this your is ass the what year. We're doing. If it doesn't mm-hmm. change, things will change. <laughs> no. Nice. So yeah. nice. that's the way to do it. If Uh-oh. that's all the I, I call Steve every morning. Remember our bet for every day I go hunting and you don't. Yeah, there's getting uh, the podcast. Dude, like we got 10 that. Bucks. Uh, remember the Hennessy bottle that we're gonna mount? We're gonna mount that on a, a shelf in here. Yeah, on your on your arm is where it's gonna get tattooed. No, no, no. But there's gonna be a, a there's gonna be a Henny bottle hanging out. It, if I, you I kill if you a good buck this year, we will put a gold Henny body on, bottle on a shelf up there, and it'll age. I don't know if the Henny gets better with age. <laughs> I doubt <laughs> it. It's <laughs> awful right out the gate. <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, Henny's shit right out of the gates. It can only get better. Man, get the, get that bullshit out of here. You're over here blowing up my secrets, talking about my drink, I'll man. bury a Henny bottle on my lease in the dirt, and we'll <laughs> dig it up five years from now. <laughs> what time capsules in there? Yeah. yeah. Dude, no grass grows around it. But that's, no, you, we're going to change you, man. Like this, so basically, yeah. all you guys this are just saying is just keep hammering. Yeah, oh, actually, yes. Jesus. You know, actually, I even, I even used that term today on accident. And I don't hate yeah. Cam Haynes. He's just easy to rip on. Like, the dude's a savage. But it's... Oh, for sure. You know, he's a he's a he's a bad motherfucker, man. He really is. But it's just we're just poking fun. It's easy to do that. I'll mm. poke fun. I, like how I just I make fun of you worse than I make fun of Cameron Haynes. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing, it's just it's true. That's I only make fun of you though, Steve, because and I'm always hard, only hard on you like that because I want to see you be successful. That really is, and I appreciate it. If I hated no, you, you know and, and I didn't do? want you to do good, I wouldn't fucking talk. You know to you. what we should do? We should start being nice to him. No, fuck that. That'd be hard to do, son. No, It'd be nice yeah, to him, I'm then he'd actually rough. do it. No, because every time someone's nice to me, I think they want something. You know, the one time yeah, we shit, want you to go hunting, and we want the you one to be time, successful. The one time women were ever nice to me is when they were like, "Oh, you're cool. You're listening to our stories." No, I never <laughs> had money. I had a fake ID, and I could buy booze. Oh. So they acted like they're interested in my story. Yeah, yeah. You were the guy that bought booze, but they didn't invite you to the party. Yeah, I was the opposite of super bad. <laughs> like as soon as like they walk up with a case of beer, they slam the door right in my face. So don't be nice to me. It brings like bad memories. Okay, all right. But Clint, I mean, don't you agree? Steve's got to he's got to get his head out of his ass and chase after it. That yeah, I mean, that grind will teach you time. to hunt other I things. Think it's time. Yeah, it's it's time. I, and I and too, I think. I think once more success comes your way, I think you'll find yourself having more of that like. Drive, oh, man. Drive. I've got, yeah. I've got to, I've got to reciprocate. I've got to, I've got to like redo this feeling. I mean, like you, 
you go zip a zip a freaking arrow, dude, through through a just not even a giant, just just a good buck, like a, a one twenty five buck, just standing there at thirty yards making a scrape. You watch your arrow zip through one. I mean, it's just one of them deals where you're going to be like, holy fuck. Like, it's like a high, man. You want to get that fix. Oh, like, yeah. Like, that, that adrenaline rush, man, like, I mean, when I'm running or when I'm doing stupid shit after a long day's work, like, I'm literally thinking about that midway. Like, I'm like, dude, you've got to do this shit right now because it's all going to pay off down the road. Like, you know, whether it's on a mule deer, whether it's on a, a, a 12-day hunt, for whitetails that I've been grinding, hunting all day, like mentally and physically, like I just, I have to be tough in order to make that happen. Cause in my head, I'm just like, I want to feel that adrenaline rush. Like I'm, it's, it's the best high you could ever have, dude. And you'll get that. I mean, it'll, it, as more success comes your way, dude, you'll, you'll sit back and be like, okay, all these idiots that used to talk all this shit. I understand now. Like I get it. Like I totally get it. Like you'll, you'll see. You'll see. And it'll happen, dude. I got faith in you, my man. Even though you drink, even though you drink freaking Henny, that's freaking gross. And it's you're, awful. You're, you're, and you're, you're, you know, you're constantly trying to get my old lady's pants. I still feel like you're going to get it done. And, and I'm, I'm in your corner. I'm in your corner, bro. <laughs> oh, bro, bro, you can help me out by, uh, stop answering the phone when I call at three in the morning. You know what I mean? Well, I'm just trying to see if you need something important or if you're just trying to sex Danielle. You know what I'm saying? It's, uh, it's usually, uh, usually the, uh, what ladder? Am I using that, uh, term correctly? I don't know. It's the second one. I'm not a smart man. I'm simple-minded as the, uh, simple-minded. Dumb. as we uh, mentioned before. Dumb. <laughs> idiot. Uh, <laughs> Dipsh idiot. <laughs> well, Clint, we'll dive in. I appreciate all the, the Western hunting talk because it's something I've been fantasizing about a lot and it's something that's all in our mind, you know, as a oh, like yeah. Midwestern hunters, like we want to get out that way and you've done it. I mean, you're, you know, you're, Ohio, man, you're deep into the jungle of the Midwest, <laughs> and it, it's a little it's easier. A it's a little easier for it's take off eight hours for us to get out west. You know, yeah. you're eight hours it's a more whole day's east. drive. So yeah, uh, work when hours. I, when I drove, when I drove to Montana last year, it was uh, 28 hours one way. Ooh, good grief. Yep. I don't even have a vehicle that would make it that far. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a bank account that I could put gas in my truck to make it that far. <laughs> But uh, so let's talk whitetails. We'll hop into some social media questions, and I imagine that we might answer some questions that we're gonna we're gonna answer some questions just talking about it that are gonna be on social media. Um, what are you doing for whitetails right now, man? I know it's uh, I guess the time of this podcast is fuck late June. I'm so lost. Yep. What time of year it is? Yep. Yeah, yep. late late June. So what's Shit, up, what's on your mind soon. right now, and what are you uh, thinking about for the next month or so? Uh, I mean, you know, I've got. <sighs> By now, it, it would be great to say that, you know, everyone listening's got all their, their early food plots in, whether it's clover or chicory or alfalfa, whatever. Um, I'm, I'm in pretty good shape there. Um, I've had minerals and stuff out since, uh, early spring. Lucky I got, bastard. uh, I've got, uh, I think I got eight, no, I got nine cameras running right now. So I, I still, you know, I, I don't have a whole, I don't have my full, you know, inventory of cameras out yet, but I got a pretty good jump on that. And uh, finishing up with corn and beans, so a lot of that that's been in the ground, and, you know, beans are starting to come up and corn's up and whatnot. So, I mean, you know, right now I'm mainly focused on uh, inventory, 
and you know i just saw a couple bucks the other day in, in a bachelor group and i mean at this point you can tell who's going to be big and who's not i mean your bucks that have already got brow tines they got main beams out past their ears they maybe have that g2 started um i mean those bucks are going to be are going to be good ones i mean i i you know you, you can't tell inches or anything but i mean you can tell right now who's going to be big and who's not so i'm I'm really starting to key in on that. Uh, trail cams play a big factor in what I do. Um, but I, I'm, I'm mainly, though, I'm interested right now in, I would say, two things. Um, I always usually have a new farm or two. So I spend a lot of time in June just trying to get a feel for what sections of the farm you're like. You know, there, there's every farm I've got. There's certain sections that there just is more deer on one section than there is on the other, or whatever. So, usually I'm trying to figure out new farms. Um, and then number two on my farms that I've I've had, or the you know, or, or my older farms, I'm I'm trying to figure the inventory out right now. I mean, I'm trying to see, okay, you know, there's two bucks over here, there's one buck over here that that all look really good, and then. I, as time goes into July, you know, a month from now, you're going to really, really, really be able to tell, okay, this buck for sure is going to be a shooter. This one probably isn't. So in the next month, I'm going to go from inventory on just trying to find what looks like good deer to actually specifically narrowing down to single deer. Like, okay, this farm's got two bucks for sure that are going to be bucks to hunt. This buck, you know, this farm doesn't. So that's kind of where I'm at. I mean, you know, I don't get too crazy carried away with uh, switching cameras around a whole lot right now. I mean, I got them on food sources or, like, we're allowed to run minerals and stuff and whatnot. So, I mean, you know, that's a good way to, you know, to get a lot of pictures quick and fast and see what's on the farms. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, like I said, I've got two new farms this year, so I'm trying to figure out, you know, what sections of those farms have a lot of deer. So I'm doing a lot of glassing in the evenings, just kind of, seeing okay there's 15 deer on this side i saw five on the other you know i'm just trying to kind of piece the puzzle together a little bit but uh yeah i mean i don't you know i don't get too crazy i mean food plots definitely are my main concern early because i mean those play a big factor later so i got a question about food plots um if you don't mind um when when you plant your spring ones when you plant those spring those spring food plots will you turn those spring food plots over and then replant into a fall plot or will you do a separate plot for the fall a lot of stuff I plant in the spring, which primarily because you know Dad and I farm around twelve hundred acres of corn and beans. So I've I've got goddamn I'm coming to Ohio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I've got corn and beans, you know, everywhere. So I I plant a lot of clover, a lot of alfalfa. And it basically, I can plant that and pretty much let that go year round, and then I can frost seed it in the fall or frost seed it in the spring. So, I mean, a lot of my plots, when I plant them and rip them up, I don't have to do much to them for a couple of years besides spray them and just keep them clean, mow them. Now, some plots I will rip up and I'll totally redo, and I might plant brassica or turnips, and, and I'll plant those early in the fall, late summer, and I'm saving those for later on in the year when it starts getting colder. But, I mean, my main plots are going to be clover and soybeans. I mean, I'm a huge if you told me I could only plant one food plot for the rest of my life, I'm going to plant standing soybeans. And if I didn't have farm equipment and I wasn't able to do that, I'm going to put, I'm, I'm going to run clover. Those are my two favorites. I mean, I just, I, 
I think early in the season, Clover is a killer. And pretty much all throughout the year, especially late season, you can't beat standing beans. So right. that's kind of my game plan there. Me and Eric agree in sync year. there. Oh, yeah. Yep. I wish I had the property where I could put in and leave standing beans because oh, I left some in last year and they just <sighs> abolished them. They destroy it. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. It's insane. They what was it. what was Clark saying when he was talking about if you have standing soybeans, you at least want to have at least, what was it, at least an acre? Just because of how hard they're going to hammer it? Like Doug from Horny Buckseed was saying that. Oh, was that, was that yeah. Doug? Okay, yeah. Yeah, because they'll just destroy it. Oh, yeah, no, I, three acres, oh, I thought. Yeah. I didn't leave yeah. enough in, and they destroyed them within like a month. And I would say last year I had, uh, that was probably two and a half acres of standing beans. And we didn't get some of the beans off around that plot, like actual fields, till into December just because of the weather and so once I got all those fields off and now there's only thing is left is two and a half acres that two and a half acres li- literally legit every single night guaranteed I mean I will guarantee you any night I don't care what the weather was doing what wind every night guaranteed 35 plus deer and some nights I've actually got some footage on my um my DSLR of 60 plus deer in that field in one evening. I mean, it's, it is nuts with snow and cold weather, how, how that standing beans will pull literally every deer off every neighboring property around you for probably a couple miles to your farm within 10 miles. (laughs) Oh dude, it's crazy. It's crazy. And it is, it's nuts. I mean, it's, it was nothing to have 40, 50 deer on that field. Now, that sounds all fine and dandy until you're trying to hunt it because now, you you know, I mean, it's pretty hard to get in get out and, you know, stay undetected with 50 sets of eyes and 50 notes. So, I mean, so there's a good and a bad side to it. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, a lot of times if I'm hunting standing beans, I'm trying to hunt deer going to it just because it's so hard to hunt right over the field because, I mean, you literally are, are, are looking at 50 deer and they're looking at you. So, mm-hmm. But yeah, no, three to three to five acres would be would be optimum. I mean, I would say in sixty days, those two and a half acres went from beautiful, full standing field of beans to absolutely picked over, not not a crumb or kernel left. Then probably <laughs> just a bunch of stems left over. <laughs> oh, dude, oh, it's it's crazy. I mean, it's I mean, and they will spend all day, all night. I mean, you go there at noon, there'd be fifteen deer in that field feed. I mean, it just it's you know with with super cold and snow like we had last year that was the the perfect weather for late season and for those standing beans i mean that that was i couldn't have asked for better temps and better weather conditions man what if you could plant like peanuts or something they'd probably go nuts over those <laughs> peanut <laughs> trees because <laughs> they're so full they're so full of protein they'd love that in the winter time i know it might try that here well, yeah, one of these years to, what are the what was uh, Clark's Pedro? Oh no, remember, Clark, Clark remember was Pedro was Buck Pedro who planted yeah. uh, peppers and uh, uh, jalapenos yeah. or habaneros on it too. Yeah, was that his Go. name Pedro? Yeah, <laughs> Pedro the Buck. Let's hit up some social media questions. We'll start with Facebook, and uh, I'm just going to start from the bottom of the gate. Bo Martinick. 
He has yeah. a podcast that you were just on, I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Bo Martonic. Yeah, yeah. Martonic. He just started uh, East Meets West. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah good buddy of mine. Yes. So How long West until you and Carrie Underwood announce you're together? Everyone's wondering. Ooh, that's that's going to be tough. I mean, we, we kind of had to uh, kind of had to call that off. Oh, um, damn. Yeah. Tough break. Damn, I thought Danielle uh, was right for the picking after that. Well, damn. Com- well, uh, she's involved in this. Complications. Um, you know, had to call it off. Uh, da- me and me and Danielle actually have we we have another one in the oven. Uh, <gasps> a third, you know, so, is that a yeah, fact? So what? Final- yeah, yeah, that's a fact. Yeah. You know what? I was just going to yeah. joke around about that, but damn, congratulations. Yeah. Congrats, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, yeah, you know, we, we got some, some family and friends and stuff, but haven't, haven't made like a big, you know, like social media Hold on. or anything like How that. How far along so, is she? Hold on. I need to, I need to make a today breaking news. She's four months along. Today would be eight weeks. I thought he got her pregnant at our party. I'd be kind of worried that it might have been yours. I mean, you guys did disappear quite often, so I don't know. Yeah, it comes out five foot three and can't fucking hunt at all. (laughs) (laughs) And fat. Don't worry, the kid's gonna grow only two more inches, and then he's it. (laughs) Can't hunt his way out of a paper fucking bag. God damn it, Steven. <laughs> oh, damn. Yeah, that would, that would Steve suck. got me. Because ah. I, I would hate to break up a family because I'm like, man, sorry, you and your husband are going to break up over this, and I'm not going to be around for the kid either, so you're going to be a single mother. Damn. <laughs> Congrats, man. We'll have to do a breaking news clip for that. Um, Big Game Polina asks, uh, we know this guy very well. He's a great dude. Hardcore listener. Maybe our number. He's like our our contract party for the the podcast. <laughs> yeah, uh, he asks, uh, "When am I going to finally meet you?" And then, how do you tolerate Stephen Moeller's non scent crusher odor in close quarters? Well, I mean, I, I I think it's it's the love and desire that pours from his pores that usually gets me. I mean, he does smell bad, but it's just there's yeah. so much love there. There's so much love there. I mean, it's it's hard to resist him. And, uh, yeah, we, we definitely need to meet my man. Um, no doubt. We'll have to, uh, yeah, next time I'm over your guys' direction or something, or I don't know. We'll, He's we'll from, uh, Connecticut, up. so we'll have to figure <laughs> yeah. something out. Oh, well then, shit, I'm, a, I'm actually closer. I'm, I'm gonna have to go his direction. Yeah, I'm about to say, you're closer he, to yeah. him, shit. Go get some seafood. Yeah. Say hi to oh, uh, Yeah, man, some lobster, no doubt. Hell yeah. David Ebright, uh, from Whitetail Experience asks, out of state hunting trip breakdown. Where do you save some cash? Gear, travel essentials, pre-scouting. These are all question marks at the end of all those. So, yeah, I mean, I would say for a guy who's wanting to do a trip, do like a, I would do like a 12, like a 12 to 15 month plan. I mean, I would just set back like, okay, I'm going to set back 80 bucks or I'm going to set back, you know, whatever, 70 bucks a month, whatever it is. And I mean, your, your biggest expenses are going to be your gear and stuff. But once you get that stuff bought, I mean, you can reuse that every year. So, I mean, your first year doing it, it's going to seem like, oh my God, it's so expensive. But if you can set aside money every month and then start to like make a list of things you need and slowly start to knock an item off that list every now and again, you know, don't, do not wait till the month before your hunt and be like, okay, I need, I need, I need a, uh, a jet boil. I need uh, a big Agnes tent. I need a slumberjack sleeping bag. I need, 
you know, and you add it up and it's $4,800 worth of stuff. Like, do not, do not do that. You know, like, like, you know, make a, we make just a ordered plan. our sleeping bags and, uh, our, ba- our packs, uh, Sunday oh, yeah. or Saturday. Oh, yeah. My dad did. Yep. Big. And it's, it's big money stuff. I mean, you know, good packs are a couple hundred bucks minimum. Uh, good sleeping bags is, is 150 to 200 pretty easy minimum. I mean, so yeah, I mean, you can, dude, you could rack up. Between my sleeping pad, my sleeping bag, and my my tent, and but mind you, I'm going ultra, ultra, ultra light on everything, which is more money. I've got probably eleven hundred bucks in those three items combined. I can pretty, believe it. Pretty, pretty easy. Yeah, pretty your easy. pack. You're saying you tell me at the working class bow hunter party it was like eight fifty, yeah. something like that. Yeah, if you were to buy, I think if if you were to buy my which the guys at Kafar, I mean, not to you know, not to like try to like you know, beeps sponsor and you know talk about people and, and, and different stuff but the guys at Kafaro I work with pretty regularly and they hook me up but uh yeah I mean if you were just to go out and straight up buy the pack and everything I've got oh yeah man you you I mean you'd be yeah you'd be in that you'd be in that seven to eight probably pretty easy I mean with the frame and the bag and the accessories and the add-on oh, oh yeah man I mean how do you, now, how do you bring will, a box fan with you, though? I mean, how do you keep that running at night so you can well, sleep, dude? I, mean, <laughs> I just... can't give away all my secrets. <laughs> Try to figure mean, this I, one out. I can, I can tell you in private, but we're going to have to keep that, you know, off the podcast. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's an industry yeah, secret. That, that, that's the, you got really good sponsors. That's you get that only out. for the homies. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> Michael Lambert asked, uh, my question, has there ever been a buck that got away, a huge trophy that you hunted for a while but wasn't? But was never able to get close uh, to close a deal with it. What yeah, year? How uh, big? And what do you know? What happened to it? And do you know what happened to it? Sorry, I'm reading from a distance. I got bad eyes. Oh, you're good. You're good. Yeah, good old Lambert. Uh, just a shout out. I was uh, best man at his wedding Saturday. He just got married. Happy for you, bro. Uh, Run for your life. Buddy of mine. Yep. Real good. Real good buddy of mine. But yeah, um, I hunted a buck. Uh, for two years, we called him Double Drop. He had he had two uh, he had two drops on his right side. To this day, would still be the biggest buck I'd ever killed. Bigger he would he would be. I would say he would have been two hundred to two. And I don't know. He would have grossed over two. I'll say that. I I don't know how much he, he could have been. Maybe two hundred five, two hundred six. But he would have grossed over two for all the guys that are into the score thing um but just a gi- just a giant buck um i spent one whole year did not kill a buck hunted him second year um hunted him primarily that entire year i can i i know that that november my buddies were all making fun of me because i missed like three bachelor parties i missed a wedding i missed uh a buddy of mine's child being born I missed a lot of shit during the month of November because literally I hunted daylight till dark that whole month. I took off the whole month of work except for like five days. And uh, they still make fun of me for it because I lost like 15 pounds, pretty much was on like sixth floor. But that deer, (laughs) I had that deer under me five times that year. And um, five times or four out of the five, it was after dark. And it was just... I mean, it was like I just couldn't win with that buck. I got back to full draw on him one time that year, 52 yards, and it was just so windy. I could not, 
I just couldn't even get settled at all, and I kind of knew that when I drew back, but I wanted to make sure it wasn't just going to magically die down for a second and give me an opportunity. But Right, you gotta, you got to go for it. Yeah, yeah, you got to at least at least have a chance. But, uh, yeah, man, I got thousands of pictures. I shed hunted, I've never shed hunted so hard for a set of sheds in my life. I mean, I spent probably 200 hours on that farm that spring looking for those sheds. I mean, I just... I honestly, to this day, I, I genuinely do not know from December on where that buck went, what happened. Never heard of him getting killed. Um, but to this day, that's still a buck that, that haunts me. I mean, I just, I was so close. I could taste it. And I mean, I just, I did a lot of crazy shit trying to kill that deer, man. And it just, I just, just wasn't able to get it done. But, uh, I learned a lot from that buck and, um, I mean, he definitely made me a lot better bow hunter because he was one of those deer that it took me months to figure him out. And then once I figured him out, I'd have like a week window and then he'd change what he was doing again. So I'd spend the whole next month trying to figure him out. And I mean, it was just long story short. I mean, he, he kicked my ass every week, but he taught me a lot. Damn, man. That would make me, I think if I'd be the same boat as you, if I get on a 200 inch deer, if it ever happens in my lifetime, I will be that nut. Like, I'm going to... Oh, you have to. Oh, you have to. Yeah. I'll just be like, hey, everybody else, fuck all your plans. <laughs> fuck your event. We just shut the podcast down for a whole month. <laughs> yeah, screw it. <laughs> I, honestly, that would be to. the only time we miss a week. Oh, yeah, for sure. podcasting. Yep. Really. No, you have to. And, like, I mean, people don't... People don't realize a lot... Like, 99% of the deer hunting population will never even see a 200 in person. So, so they don't realize... Like, I'm very fortunate to... I've seen a couple and, and hunted some bucks that's in that caliber and, and killed one that was pretty damn close, you know, in the 190s. So, I mean, I, like, I know, I know how much that means and how special it is to even have that kind of deer to hunt, let alone kill. And I mean. Dude, I can't tell you that I've ever seen a 200 inch deer. I know for a fact I've seen a deer in the 190s because my dad yeah. shot it. Um, yeah. but I saw one he was alive. Um, but I don't know if I've ever seen, I think maybe. I know I haven't. Oh, fuck, I'm trying to think. The biggest I saw some good deer last year. I saw some deer in the high 170s probably last year, but not like anywhere close. But I like, I'm trying to think back through the memory bank. Oh, well, no. I saw a deer that would go. I actually filmed it. I got to find it. it's old old tape footage back from That's what I was thinking about. 04. I I filmed the buck a typical 12. This is kind of a fun story, if you don't mind me telling this real quick. I think I've told it before yeah, on the podcast. Well, wait, but, uh, hold on a second. got to take off for work, so. Oh, you do? Fuck. Yeah. All right, guys. We lost service for a second. I guess there's a big storm coming in. I was just informed. There's a storm <laughs> coming. Um, and we it's live in the middle of nowhere. So Eric left for work, and while Eric was leaving for work, we lost service with Clint. Um, when you live in the middle of nowhere, internet gets shitty and cell phone service gets shitty. So I guess there's a big storm coming in, but we'll just ride it out. It sucks. That's why you city hunt, bro. So sound quality might sound different on Clint's end, but uh, we're talking about big bucks. If we've ever seen like a big 200-incher, and I had a story about a buck I filmed when I was young, like 14, 15. I think I was 14. It was. Uh, was this a VHS camcorder or what was no, this? No, no, it was like oh, it was one of those mini tapes, the, wasn't it? Yeah, the uh, Clint. You know what I'm talking about? Those uh, not yep, VHS, the but mini the, uh, mini eights. Yeah, those. Yeah, it was one of those. So I'm filming from a ladder stand on the edge of a pit cornfield. I have to find this footage. I have it somewhere. I got to just get it's it. It's on your hard drive, man. I haven't I it. I have it converted to digital. I had to sift through the footage. So I get this 
this video, it's early morning, like kind of where it's like still sort of gray out. And this buck steps out and is chasing this doe, and he's a typical 12. And in the video, you can tell he's 170-plus. So I filmed this deer. It's before shotgun season. And back in the day, our buddy Jim Burns, which still we need to make a podcast happen. It's got to happen <laughs> at my dad's house, though. He's like the greatest dude. He's hunted everything. He's hunting from this area he's hunting maybe 300 yards as a crow flies from where i filmed this deer like three four days before now it's shotgun season he he kills big bucks he's a big buck killer he'll wait if not he just enjoys being out there he'll wait he sees this like four does come filing in down this ridge and he sees one side of this buck and he's like oh my god like he's joking around when he says he always goes oh my god and like when he tells the stories and he and he said this there is a god like <laughs> he's like i seen the one side of this buck come down the hill and i'm like there's no way like this is gonna happen to me and so this buck comes in comes right underneath him he's getting ready to shoot and realizes this buck is missing half of a rack on the one side uh, he's telling oh me god. he's telling me he goes kurt I'm telling you, this buck was a typical 12. This buck was every bit of the high 180s as a typical. <laughs> so in the meantime, I was tagged out. This this is the second day of first firearm season. I had shot a buck Friday morning. So this is Saturday when this happened. My buddy Colton was sitting in my stand where I filmed that buck out of. This buck the day before... Or, no, the same morning Jim saw this buck. It would have been an hour before. This buck runs across the field chasing a doe and stops, and Colton shoots, and the buck falls. And he he said he's looking, and then the buck gets up, shakes his head, and runs off. That's bad headache. He gets up to it. He shot this buck's rack in half on one side. So uh, he has at uh, home the end of the main beam. The, the uh, end would it'd be the 4G5 and then the end of the main beam. So he's got the, the very tip. <laughs> Jim gets back and goes, you never guessed what I fucking saw. And so he looks up and Colton's sitting there twirling the end of that main beam in his hand. He's like, oh, my God. He's like, if I would have known, I would have shot that deer because it pieced the main beam together. And, it, dude, you, you, can, you can tell it's every bit of the deer in the 180s, man. Uh, it's just a super giant. So that would be the biggest typical I've ever seen. Would you guys shoot a half rack buck, dude? I don't know. I don't know. What would you do, Quint? If you knew a buck was high one eighties and he came in with a half rack, which, what would you do? Well, I shot one in the one fifties a few years ago that I didn't know had busted off his other side, and when I got up to him, I about cried. <laughs> <laughs> I had that happen too. I shot a buck that uh, it would have been oh oh nine. That's it, the buck in my kitchen, guys. The one that's hanging there with the half rack. Yeah, I yep. saw. Oh yeah, you saw it, Clint. That buck's every bit of one sixties, I think. But I, I, if he was both the same on both sides, yeah, I mean, one side's all jacked. But he had two brow tines are the same, and they're six, seven inch brow tines, and just big dark chocolate rack. When I found him, like oh fuck, one side. I didn't know. I saw his good side and shot him. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep, that was the same with me. He came in chasing the doe. It was right at last light, split second, you know, and I'm like, oh, I know that buck. So immediately I quit looking at his horns and started getting focused on the shot. And uh, he was like 37, 38 yards and uh, smoked him. And I got up to him and I'm like, he's only got a brow tine and three inches of main beam on the left side. I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, you know, he, what do you I mean, do? I mean, 
I mean, it was a cool mount. Like, I've got him mounted, like, licking his shoulder. So, I mean, like, it's a it's a cool mount. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, it was – I mean, a deer that's in the 180s, though, I mean, man, that's, that's tough. Because, I mean, I mean, you don't want to shoot one like that because you want him to have both sides at the same time. Like, you may never in your life get an opportunity to shoot a deer of that caliber. Like, so – Yeah, Jim passed him. <laughs> I couldn't do it, man, because I looked over and I go – what the fuck broke that main beam? He's like, I, what in the hell else is out here is what he was thinking. Oh, uh, Dude, if you would have shot it, the thing he would have got back to camp and had the rest of it. Because the detail he's telling me, he's like, it was fresh break. It was bright white at the break. And he's like, he's, he That's came crazy. in and I'm holding I'm thinking, like, what in the hell? He broke that big bastard's yeah. rack. Yeah. Like, I mean, Colton said he shot that thing and it laid down and he thought it was dead. He said, got up and shook his head. Like, I think he knocked it out. It. Yeah. Well, yeah, could you imagine? Yeah, it'd rattle you. Jeez. Yeah, it's 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 crazy for sure. Uh, Steve Stoff asks, uh, "What is your best tactic or getting an inventory of bucks on your property during the summer months?" We sort of covered this, but mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, food sources. If you can put minerals, or I mean, you know, like there's like in Ohio, you can bait. So I mean, if you like have a farm that you legit, you're like, okay, I want to get. Every deer's picture in the next week just to see what's here, if there's anything big. Dude, some guys are against it, some guys are for it, whatever, but you throw 150 pounds of corn down, and the next week you would have inventory of every single buck. So, you know, minerals that, um, if you're you're a state like Pennsylvania where, you know, you you can't really bait, well, I guess they can bait up until season, but then they got to take it away, so a lot of guys just won't bait. Or if you're a state that you're just not allowed to bait at all, Put it on the edge of a soybean field where you see a lot of deer and, and, and put it on, um, like, scan mode. And, I mean, you're going to get pictures of, of, of maybe not every deer, but a, a lot of deer. I mean, you know, so that would be, you know, maybe do a little bit of glassing and see where the majority of the deer are coming out into those fields or where they're hanging out and set your cameras up there. And, I mean, you're going to get a pretty good look at probably most of your deer on the farm, I would say. I mean, maybe not all of them, but pretty good look. Now, I got to – I got to – question here and uh correct me if i'm dumb but like uh because i i see how soybeans grow but i don't know about when they start to mature when you know there's good like uh you know food source on them i don't know if it's a month after how how soon and until like a soybean once it's planted and it grows to when deer are going to start eating that um, I'm sure they'll eat anything that's green, but when do they really start flocking in there and how do they stay off that until you know uh, late winter. Well, soybeans have two times that deer are super, super uh, excited or pumped, whatever word you want to use, to to be in them and to be feeding on them. And that's whenever they're about two months old. So you plant them in April, May. Whenever July hits, they've got those fresh, tender green leaves on top. They will eat the shit out of those fresh, tender green leaves. Like when you see deer in bean fields in the summer and early fall, that's what they're eating. They're not eating the actual bean or the pod. They're eating those fresh green leaves on top. Now, once that bean matures and that stalk matures, the leaves all fall off, and the only thing that's left is those pods. Now, what they're after, especially late season, because this was such a good source of protein, is they're after the actual beans that's in those pods because they're hard. But all summer long, those pods, you know, the actual pod itself is for, you know, two, three, four beans. They're not really eating those. They're eating the leaves. So 
that's why beans are my favorite because they provide two different food sources on the same stock, basically, at two different times of the year. Right, that yeah. makes sense. Interesting. I, yeah, I didn't. I, I didn't know that. I, I I always see like you know when they're in velvet picks, and you can see they're clearly in a bean field. I didn't know. Oh yeah, what yep. they were doing yep. in there, but I, I didn't know. So when they eat that those leaves off, that doesn't kill the plant, though, does it? No, no. I mean, it's it's not helping the plant grow bigger beans in the pods by any means. But I mean, you know, it's not killing it. But but what they'll do is, I mean. It will stunt the growth of that plant to an extent. I mean, it's not, like I said, it's not helping it grow by any means. But, no, I mean, you're not going to kill the plant by doing that. I mean, but, yeah, that's where all your tender green leaves are is up on top. And, I mean, they just, they love to snip those tops off. I mean, if you walk a, across the bean field on August 1st around the edge of the field, you'll see where the tops are all snipped off. It looks like, it looks like a rabbit's come through that's four foot tall and just snipped all the tops off like a rabbit that'd be in your garden and eat your pepper plants or whatever. I mean, that's exactly what it looks like. Just straight stalks where they've snipped the tops of those leaves all off. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, people are asking you some good questions here, man. Uh, Christopher oh, yeah, Johnson really asks, uh, recommendations on where and how to set up in an area that's all scrub and overgrown fields. Is it wise to get in super tight in order to have a chance at capitalizing or is it better to not risk alerting anything that might be bedded and try to set up on an edge and hope for the best? Good question. Tough call. Uh, Here, can I? I'll add my theory in. For general rule of thumb, I feel that deer are fringe animals, so edges of yep. anything are always a safe bet if you're scared of alerting anything. That's my two oh, cents. Yeah. yeah. No. Oh no. I I'd agree with that. I would. I mean, I'm aggressive, but I I. I get aggressive when I need to be aggressive. I don't like to go in guns a blazing. So something like that, what I would do is I would hunt the fringes and basically set up a stand where you can hunt winds that are good for, you know, obviously not, uh, how am I going to say it? You want to hunt a stand, you, you almost want to hunt or hang a stand that's going to be basically an observation spot more so than a kill spot. And mainly what you're going to try to do is See how the deer are using that area. Maybe they're bedding in the middle. Maybe they're bedding on the fringe. Maybe they're bedding on the neighbors. They're just working through it. Um, but I would I would hang some observation cameras and stands just trying to figure out how they use it. And then once you figure that out, you could either dive in deeper or don't dive in at all. But one thing I think a lot of people get caught up on is, you know, big bucks, you know, or I should say mature bucks mainly, they they only bed or do certain things for short periods of time. And then the rut comes or a food source changes or pressure changes them or whatever. So my point is, is that you don't want to be too passive and miss out on your opportunity to move in on a buck and try to kill him. Because let's say this overgrown field, you there's a buck living in there for the time being and it's middle of October. You've got about 10 days, maybe two weeks to capitalize on that buck staying right there before he's going to be traveling all over the place trying to find does. So, I mean, it's one of those spots where, you know, I agree the fringes are great and I love fringes and stuff, but once you see what's happening, I mean, you don't want to be afraid to dive in and go for it. I mean, I think a lot of people fail to kill big bucks because they get too nervous to actually make 
the jump and go in after one. I mean, sometimes you just got to go in and, and make it happen, but you want to have an educated guess of what's going on before you do it. So right. I would say start, I always like to start from the, from the outside and work my way in is what I would tell, what I would tell them to do on that deal. Work, work from the outside in. And once you see what's going on, don't be afraid to make a game plan though and, get, and actually dive in and go after it because those overgrown spots like that usually a lot of deer or, you know, mature bucks will like to bed in that stuff because it's, it's out of the way. It's probably going to be thick as hell, great bedding, and uh, he's going to feel safe in there. So, I mean, you know, you're probably going to find a good buck in something like that for sure. I mean, I've got spots like that myself that are every year there's a good buck staying in those spots at some point in September or October. I mean, it's, it's just a given every year. Okay, this is going to be a fun one then. If, after answering that, uh, Mark Hurley asks, what is the number one thing you think most hunters failed to do that cost them an older class buck? Besides the obvious, like wind, stand placement, I personally think it's not capitalizing on them in early season when you can get a pattern before the rut. I would say that's a good one. Um, if I had to list three things off the top of my head, I would say not paying attention to details. And in details, I don't mean wind. I mean, well, I do mean wind and all the obvious stuff, but I mean details like drawing your bow back and your arrow squeaking on your rest. Uh, not, not having your stand totally level and when you stand up to flip your seat up, your seat squeaks or your stand squeaks. Um, little details like that make or break you when the moment of truth comes. It's I the mean, stealth factor is what that boils down oh, to. Oh, yeah. I mean, you've, you've got to pay attention to the little details. Uh, watching how you walk in and walk out. I mean, just the small little things that people over you know can overlook. Uh, that's the number one. I'm not going to list them in rank, but that would just be the first one. The second one I would say I've already talked about not being aggressive enough and being too passive. I think when a big buck gives you a window and you know he's doing something, you need to be trying to kill him right then and there. Don't sit back and play the, well, I watched him walk by that tree over there two times this week. It's 100 yards away. Maybe tomorrow he'll get here. No. In plain words, fuck that. Get over there to where he was at. You watched him do it once or twice. He may only do that one more time, and he might be off on another farm and never come back, or the neighbor shoots him, he gets on a hot doe. Who knows what happens? The farmer down the street cuts a cornfield. Now he's over there. I mean, capitalize on when your window is. And then last but not least, I would have to say, in my opinion, one thing I see a lot of guys do, and I hate to say it, but they just flat out give up. I mean, killing big deer, especially with a bow, it's not easy. I mean, if it was easy, everybody would do it every year. So, I mean, you know, you've got to have the mindset that, like, if you want to kill big deer and you want to talk that, that game, you got to show up and, and, and do it. I mean, you might have to hunt 90 days to freaking get it done. I mean, or you might be like me and kill one, kill your biggest buck on the opening night of season. But then last year... I hunted like 97 days till I killed my buck. So, I mean, it's just, uh, you know, you, if you want to kill big deer, I mean, you, you've got to be able to, to put in that time and you, you can't have the give up factor. Right. Um, For sure. And, and, and I see a lot of guys do that. I see a lot of guys go, 
Ah, oh, man, I've hunted three weeks in October. I hunted in November, and now it's December. Man, I'm just burning out. I'm just, you know what? I'm going to watch a football game instead. But then, kind of last week of season, they're scrambling because they still got a buck tag. And I'm like, well, what were you doing the last two months? Like, basically, you just gave up. So, mm-hmm. you know, and I mean, I just, I hate to see that, but I, a lot of people do that. You know, that they, you, they say they want to kill a big buck, but it's not easy, man. I mean, you guys all know that. I mean, it's it's not easy. It's you know, I got just, a, I got a question hard. for you, Clint, because uh, you're a guy that is opinionated, and you'll say what you think, and and this is something that uh, me and Cameron have been talking about the last. And it's it's something I've talked about before on the podcast, more more in the time of the season when this topic gets arise. You see um, other podcasts, you see other blogs, you see a lot of people that so, and I'm doing the air fingers like Doctor Evil experts you know they they say that like certain things like um i just want to know your opinion like the october lull is bullshit you just don't know how to hunt deer in october or the bold ass statements like this is how you kill a deer in the next 15 uh-huh. days and then you're like okay motherfucker well you better kill a deer in the next 15 days if you're telling me how to do it what's your opinion oh, yeah. on the october lull when someone says it doesn't exist and if it, if you think it exists you just don't know how to hunt deer in october and what do you think about the guys that are making those like because you're a writer, so this is your wheelhouse. When guys write a blog like, this is how you kill a buck in the next 15 days, and then that person yeah. doesn't kill a buck in the next 15 days, yeah. it seems like bullshit, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, October Law, uh, in my opinion, um, and I'd stand on top of uh, you know, a building and shout this to anybody, um, I, would, I, would verbally, <laughs> I would, I'd verbally fight anybody on this. October lull, bullshit. October you think so? lull to me, yep, total bullshit. Total I got bullshit an argument because, for you then. I got an argument. Can you, okay. you want me to go first on my argument? Yep. The, yep. So say I'm a guy that hunts 30 acres, and yep. mid October, all those deer are moved off my farm because they're doing something different. I'm experiencing an October lull. That would be correct, right? Because deer do different things mid-October, obviously. Like, the juries recognize it, all that. So if I'm hunting 30 acres and deer are doing something different that time of year, and I'm like, I'm not seeing shit, there's an October lull. That guy's experiencing what you would call an October lull because his property doesn't hold the deer during that time of year. So that's my argument against the guys that say it's bullshit you don't know how to hunt them in October is because if you have the ground where you can move and adjust, yeah, you can get on deer. But if you hunt 30 acres... It depends on your property whether or not you experience an October lull. So to say that the whole thing is bullshit is a very broad statement. I feel like it's incorrect. Well, I feel like it's not a... Here's what I think is bullshit. I think the phrase October lull is a, is, is a, a lazy term for I don't want to go find deer or I just don't have deer in my property right now. Because okay, I can correct. agree. I can agree with that. I can agree with that for yep, sure. Yep, you're... You're correct. If you've got 30 acres, and let's say there was standing corn all around you, and the neighbor cut it all September 30th for silage, put it in a silo, for the next two weeks, there'll be a ton of deer in those fields close to where you hunt, trying to scavenge and pick up corn. But the minute those crops are gone, if you don't have acorns or you don't have something else bringing deer into where you're at and you've only got that 30 acres, absolutely, you're, you're going to see a huge shift 
in deer numbers and deer sightings, I, I agree with that 110%. What I don't agree with is I don't agree with guys that say, I'm not going to hunt because it's the October law and deer don't move during the October law. Yeah, well, I, no, I don't yeah. agree with that either because I'm hunting no matter what I'm seeing. Yep. But now, now That goes back and, to that factor what we talked about earlier is any minute that buck could step out of wherever oh, he's yeah. at. You know, So well, I always have that mindset that that's what keeps me going. The thing is with October is here's, in my opinion, here's your keys to October. Keys to October are simple, but people lose focus on these keys because you've got to keep up with what the deer are doing. Number one is food. In October, you got beans coming off, you got corn coming off, you've got apples that can be dropping, you've got persimmon that can be dropping, you've got crab apples that are still ripe, you've got fucking guys that have planted winter wheat early that's starting to come up that could be an inch tall, you've got clover still green, you've got acorns falling. Dude, there are 20 different freaking food sources out there for a buck to decide to feed on. So... Deer are moving around from food source to food source. Oh, dude, deer are moving around. And if you're not staying up to date with what's the best food source around you or close by, you're not going to be into great deer numbers. Now, the other thing is, when October hits, your bucks are starting to think about the rut. They're starting to move a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, (laughs) mean, you need need to factor... You gotta factor that in in too. I mean, these bucks are starting to build testosterone out the ass. So they're moving around a little more. They're starting to test one another. Trying to get swole for that punene. Oh, Oh they're eye pumping. Trying to get their They're eye pumping. They're eye pumping like motherfuckers, right? Yeah, absolutely. Hey, give me your uh, your bar analogy, Clint. Everyone loved that shit last time. You did. The bar analogy. Give the deer versus human bar analogy. This is classic. Well, yeah. I mean, it's. I mean, and I've always looked at it like this. I mean, when you're in October, it, it would be like a guy that's got an old lady in, say, August, and they go out to a bar, and while he's at the bar, he's looking around and he's like, "Oh wow, look, you know, there's." Lots of good-looking girls here. I'm not saying that he's sexually trying to undress them with his eyes, but he, he, he just notices that there's lots of girls there. Okay, flash forward to November 1st. She breaks up with him. She says, you're a piece of shit. I'm done. Okay, guess what? In his head, the switch will flip that goes, well, I'm single now. So I need to go out and try to find women. Girls, does, pussy, whatever you want to call it. Punene. Punene. Yeah. Where do you think he's going to go? Or he's, he's going to relate back to, hey, I remember that one bar that I was at. Now, I'm not saying, like I said, he was there checking out those girls while with his old lady. But I'm just saying that he probably mm. noticed there was, there was lots of girls there. Punene. Same thing with the deer. <laughs> I mean, these bucks in October... Don't think they're not paying attention to where all the does are at and what all the does are doing because they know in about three weeks they're going to be chasing ass around. So, yeah. I mean, you know. <laughs> it's true, man. It's a yeah. great analogy. That's my favorite, man. Preach you, it. The first time you said that and you would use the term their eye pumping, that was like a trend yeah. Slash inside joke with our show for a good six months, I feel like. Yeah. Then, oh, yeah. Uh, God, and then what happened next? Blended Bloody Mary's? Good yeah, I, what I, the hell? I hit it with the gay jokes, boys. <laughs> um, well, and, and, and to, 
to touch on, like you mentioned, you mentioned the Drury's, and don't get me wrong. Um, I know Mar- I know Mark and Terry quite well um, between shows, and I've actually hunted some farms. That's 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 like right. I've, I've actually hunted right up against farms in Illinois that that literally butt up to Mark and Terry's. Um, great guys, good people. But here's something I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this out there too. Everybody that watches their shows and everybody that reads their books, reads their articles, and wants to use their tactics. This is one thing I'm going to tell everyone to keep in mind. What Mark and Terry preach, what Lydia and Tiffany preach, what the Kiskies preach, they are using this, these tactics on thousands of acres of highly managed, low, low-pressured properties. We are not hunting that. As working class bow hunters, like all of us are, how many of us have 20,000 acres in Iowa? How many of us have 8,000 acres in Illinois? I don't discuss my property. Well, okay, you might be, you know, there's always one asshole in the crowd. It'd be you. (laughs) You're a dickbag. That's why everyone hates you, Steve. Shut your fucking mouth. What I'm making is... Everybody eats up the tips and tactics that these guys say. And by no means am I saying that they don't work because the proof's in the pudding. The stuff that they do, it works. But it works on their properties, their farms. I personally cannot go do what they do on some of my farms that are 100 acres, 120 acres, when their farms in Missouri and Iowa are two and three thousand acres, right. it's a totally different mindset for me as a hunter. Yeah, like Probably basics are I basics hunt. at that point, but just not everything applies the same across the board. Well, yeah, well, yeah. And, and, and I mean, you know, like like prime example, they will tell you there's certain sanctuaries on this farm that we will not ever go into. We don't shed hunt it. We only go into it and track. If we have to track a deer. Now, I hear people all the time, they will ask me, how many sanctuaries do you have on your farms? And I'm like, okay, by sanctuary, what do you mean? Do you mean bedding area? No, no, no. I mean areas that you will never go into ever. My response? Zero. None. I don't have any farms, farms, guns, big as big enough. Going off 100 acres and literally never hunt that because. I'm not saying that there's not spots that I rarely hunt or I save for a certain week of the year or something like that. But there, there is no such thing as a sanctuary for a guy like me because right. I don't sense. have farms. You know, and, and that's just what I mean is I'm not saying don't, don't, don't look at their tactics and not take something away from it because they're all very, 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 you know, world-renowned deer hunters, and they all yeah, know what they're doing. It's all correct. It's a, it might just not apply oh, yeah, to it. Yeah, it's, yes, but it's, it's a very different type of style and tactics that's going to work for them that for the average dude who's only got a 200 acres to hunt, you can't section off 80 acres of that and say, that's a sanctuary, I'm not going to hunt it. Uh, you're, you're, you're crazy to do that. <laughs> right. I mean, you're, 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 you're not wise you know, no doubt, no doubt. But yeah, just, just, I'm just throwing that out there because I feel like a lot of people they want to do what these guys are doing, but you don't have the deer or the resources or the amount of ground to actually put forth these tactics to use and to work. I mean, right. you know, so 
but you know, not not saying that that, that they're wrong because they're right, but they're right on their ground and on their properties. That that's not going to be right for my seventy-acre piece of ground I'm looking at right now. But behind my parents' farm, that's one of my best pieces of of rut property that I've got. It's seven. It's a seventy-acre parcel. Seventy acres. You're not putting sanctuary on that seventy acres and saying, nope. Not stepping foot in that the whole year. Yeah. I'm going to leave half of that 78. You know, you just can't do stuff. I mean, I would, I would basically be cutting myself out of one of my best properties by doing that. You know what I mean? But no, yeah. I mean, it makes it makes complete sense because I'm on the same you know the same page as you. It's there was a property I grew up hunting that we tried not to step in a certain area, but it wasn't it wasn't like a 50 acre piece that we didn't go in. It was much smaller than that. But that's because we knew it was a, right. a good bedding. Um, but well, yeah, and, and and you know, I'm a huge believer in stay the hell out of the bedding areas until you absolutely have to go dive in them or you need to go in them. Like, oh, by all means, like I'm I'm a firm believer in that. But like this 70 acre piece I'm talking about, it's a fantastic bedding area in the rut. If you can get in there on the right wind, you will see bucks all day long going in and out of there, checking to see if those does are in estrus because there's a bunch of does that stay in there right. now. If you don't hunt that, because that's your quote-unquote sanctuary, you're taking away so many opportunities to kill a nice buck in the area because that is a hot spot that holds deer. I mean, you know, so it's just you've got to be able to look at what they do and look at what you've got and be like, okay, I see what they're saying, but some of this stuff is not going to apply to me. It's just not fathomable to do it. Right. Which is, you know. Makes sense. But. Um, let's, let's get on to the next question. Uh, Tony Smith, the fucking man. That guy is the fucking man. Um, so I'd love to hear his thoughts on access, especially properties with limited options and or tricky wins. Maybe also his preference in hunting styles at each stage of the season, early, rut, late, etc. Yeah, no, that's a good one. Um, tricky, tricky wins, small properties, um, hard to access. I've got a couple of those. Um, Actually, two, two probably the two hardest farms I have to hunt, bow hunt, um, are are two of my better farms. But they're very, uh, very tricky because of the wind. I'm going to use the term killable winds or quarterly winds. Um, like the quarter of the wind, um, I, I write about this a lot. I talk about it a lot. But basically, what I'm doing on these properties is I figure out the best wind for the deer which winds the deer like to use. And then from there, I'm, I'm, I'm going to probably have to push the envelope a little bit. So I probably will never have a perfect wind, but I will pick out a day like, let's say, a big front's coming in or coming out, the, the, the barometer's rising or falling, the pressure's you know going up or going down. You know, days where there's a high probability of early deer movement. You know, I mean, everyone knows I'm a big moon guy, so I follow that, you know, maybe, maybe the, you know, it's, it's after the full moon and you've got that red moon effect going on. Um, I'll go in and you're pretty much going to have to cheat the wind and, and kind of push the envelope a little bit and, and rely on your scent control and, and rely on, you know, dressing in the field, not smoking a cigarette into your stand, that kind of stuff. Um, your entry and access, probably a spot like that, you're not going to be able to dive super deep. So your fringes or pinch points and bottlenecks that are kind of on the outskirts of the property, maybe leading to a neighbor's or something, that's kind of the style of, of, um, of ambush spots I'm going to be looking for, uh, especially if it's a smaller property. 
Um, you know, entry and exit's everything. I mean, you, you cannot get busted by 10 deer going in or coming out or you pretty much cut your throat every single time you hunt. So that's definitely something that you're going to have to kind of really, really watch. Um, even starting in the summer, do some glassing and just see how the deer are using that property. Trail cams can play a huge factor into that too by, by trying to figure out what times of the day the deer are in daylight and then trying to figure out where they're bedding based on that. But I mean, yeah, it sounds like, a, I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot of work to hunt those farms. Like I said, two of my best farms are tough. I mean, they are tough farms to hunt, but when I hunt them right and over the years I've figured out how to hunt them the best possible way I can. And I mean, they've, they've paid off. I mean, I've shot some fantastic bucks. I've seen some fantastic bucks and I mean, it just, it takes time. I mean, it's, there's no quick process to that scenario, but you've got to just slowly piece the puzzle together. That's the best advice I can give you. Start from the outside and just slowly piece it together. You know, don't, don't try to win the whole game on, on one, one throw basically. For sure. God damn, you're full of knowledge, man. You are. People ask you the loaded question because they know the type of answers they're going to get. I love it. Um, so this is going to be a very loaded uh, question here, and I uh, figured we'll ask. Ryan Fair blessed us with this question, and he asked if you recommend trophy tape. What the hell's trophy tape? Well, I mean, we you know we went through this, and we're going to make it short and sweet. I mean, there's bad blood here between trophy tape and working class bow hunter. Uh, mainly, it's 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 just it's mainly Kurt being jealous, but I kind of come up with this trophy tape deal myself. You're right. Um, long story short, I've I've made I've made millions off of it, and uh, yep. I sold it. Um, and and you know it was it was one of those things that I, I wanted Kurt to go in with me on it, but he was too you know he was off doing his, his own deal, riding fucking BMX bikes and doing that that weird shit, and uh, <laughs> he just. You know, he just he just didn't think it was cool, and then next thing you know, I'm making millions off of it. Now he's pissed, and he's he's a he's a trophy tape hater. He's a hashtag mm. trophy tape hater, but it's it, it's okay. I've forgiven him. We've moved forward. We've moved yep. past it. He's right. We joke about it now. It is what it is. Yep. We'll just let's move past this because I'm getting some. I'm I'm getting irritated. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Walter Lee, old Redbeard himself, asks, "Why did it take so long to come back on the show?" I mean, it, I'm expensive. I mean, I make these guys pay me in beer, and I mean, we're not talking one or two cases. I mean, if you if, if you want me on these shows, Alex. I mean, yeah, they're shipping me absolutely. There, you, you you beat me to it. They're shipping me pallets of beer. It's tough. But no, all jokes aside, uh, we've been trying to get stuff lined up. Man, I'm I'm always super busy. These guys are always busting ass, super busy. And I mean, we talk. I mean, on the weekly, me, me and Kurt, you know, try to talk a couple times a week, and we're we're always communicating, but. Our schedules and stuff, I mean, they just haven't lined up, and, and it's just, you know, I know we went too long. I've been chopping up a bit to get on, and uh, I promise we won't go this long again. But, uh, yeah, no, no, I mean, really no reason. Just everyone's been busy, man. Just been trying to get it put together, and uh, luckily today was the uh, lucky day. Episode, uh, what, 225? Is that right? Yeah, yeah damn. No, yep. that, I mean, that's exactly it, man. We're, our schedule, our podcast schedule, I was trying not to do this. And I try not to make them months in advance, but there's we have such a pending list of people we want to get on and, and you know, stuff like that. It's a business at the same time, and we have fun talking to everyone. But, man, when you schedule them out the way we do it, and since we don't do this for a living, we can't do three in a day. If we could do three in a day, we could get them all done in three weeks, and we'd be done with it. But, 
man, it just yep. gets tough when we got uh, we got projects in the works and all sorts of shit. I got so many irons in the fire right now, man. I, I'm I could barely get this podcast started because I couldn't think straight. So, <laughs> oh, dude, I'm I'm with you, man. I I got I mean I'm writing for four or five different people and, and doing the blog work, and, and I gotta and, get your latest blog yeah. up, and that's where I'm at the Camel Collar blog. It's got to hopefully the, uh, this week I'll be able to fire that off. So. Heck yeah, man! It's a good one. Talk all about shooting and, and, and summertime stuff and some, some tips and tactics. Yeah, it's a good one, man. I, th- I think people will like it. Looking forward to getting it up. Yeah, we'll get that out. I'll. Uh, I, I've been slacking. We had the shoot uh, a couple weekends ago, so that threw a stick in our spokes, and uh, we're just trying to get back on our feet here and hustle through what we got. And you know, have a good time doing it, man. And Clint, you know, you're always welcome back, and we'll get you in as quick as we can. I wish I, I'm going to try and the goal from here on is, you know, of course, being busy is a good thing for the podcast. Like we have schedules we want to meet, people we want to get on, things we're trying to do. Um, I'll give a little sneak peek. We're planning on if everything works out with all our work because we work for a living. We're going to try and do a podcast tour uh, starting next trade so trade show season and do a thing there. That's all in the work. So if once all the trade, I'm talking after bow season. If you guys are yep. wanting to podcast with us, if you're out and about at any trade shows like classics, ATA, any sort of that, like we're going to be jumping around bow shop to bow shop, maybe mostly midwest we might get out to some uh more eastern maybe more western states we're going to try and do a podcast tour. we don't know how it's going to work but we're going to figure something out so if you're wanting to do a podcast we're going to do some fl- we're going to do some scheduled but we're also going to do some flybys so it's like if you come out hop on one type of deal deal Hell but yeah that's in the works right now that is one project we're working on that's kind of a, a mini announcement that's months away yet so we still got to figure that all out um one thing i want to talk about before i forget Steve's been reminding me for the last half hour. Uh, <laughs> well, I thought we were going to do it earlier. So I wanted to do it at the beginning of the show, but we forgot. <laughs> Get on our Facebook or the Whitetail Experience Facebook. We are doing a giveaway to, starting tonight. It's going to go into the second, first or second week of July. We are doing an elite bow giveaway. Boom. An Energy 32 bow giveaway. Um, there's... Uh, I'll just explain the story. We had our shoot. Uh, the bone shed was uh, very nice and gave us a bow to give away at the shoot. Well, David Ebright from the White Tail Experience had won it, and he decided that he would donate it back, and we'd do a social media giveaway. So this is a collab between us, the White Tail Experience, and the bone shed. So you're going to have to go on there, like all our pages, obviously, share it up, and tag a couple of friends. It's a pretty simple task to do for a chance to win a $1,000 bow. Um, this bow is coming from the bone shed. It's an all black E32 elite E32. So go on there, follow all of us, share it up, tag, you know, just help us out and do that. We're going to give this bow away. Hopefully it's someone that really appreciates it and deserves it. But this, by the time this episode is up, this, that giveaway should be going. It actually is probably up already right now as I look at the time. (laughs) So get on there, check it out, go to all those social media, share it from each one. I mean, we're going to randomly draw a winner. So, check oh, that yeah, out. That's sweet. Am I missing anything else? Nah, I think we're good. No. Clint, you got anything you want to add, man? Man, we covered a lot there. That, that's a that's a good one. A lot of a lot of good info. Good laughs as always. Uh, probably handful of cuss words, maybe two or three. I heard, but that's pretty typical for us. Maybe thirty. I don't know. <laughs> maybe but, thirty. Uh, yeah. We ain't beeping them out. <laughs> but. Uh, 
No, man, we covered a lot. Um, is there is there any other? Is, is is there a last question or is there another? Is there anything else that someone threw out that's totally different that we got to cover? Or, I mean, I mean, I, I scrolled through a bunch of them today, and man, was there some awesome questions, some great feedback. I appreciate all the everybody asking a lot of uh, stuff we already kind of covered there's you know there's some kind of like sort of repeat casey gamble gamble 50 on instagram i love listening to this dude um people enjoy you man i appreciate that you got a lot to say there was there was one goofy one i I don't know if i was on facebook i I scrolled through it and i saw did i miss Uh, one no dude it was it was goofy oh wait i think that's i think uh right there oh (laughs) no go up go up up I missed some of these. How did that this one. happen? That's the one that was good. Oh, this one right here? Yeah. Oh, uh, Scott Clark, what does this workout regiment look like? Is it focused on bow hunting or cougar hunting? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Um, Man, real quick, I'd love to say I'm in the gym five, six nights a week, but just with kids and schedules, uh, man, honestly, I try to run. I got like a two, two-and-a-half-mile loop. I try to run four, five, six nights a week if I can. Um, How heavy is the rock you carry with you, though? No, no rock, no rock. I'm actually carrying a 30-pack, and my goal is to have it all the way done by the time I get around that two-and-a-half-mile loop. <laughs> You're breaking even on calories at that point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But, <laughs> no, I, I try to run. Um, I use the treadmill a lot, and I, I, I try to do, like, two to three um, – rounds of push-ups a day like just just crank 50 out i mean honestly like i said i i i love i i love to work out i mean i i like going to the gym i think it's relaxing but with my schedule and everything man i just don't have an hour and a half usually to do that a day so a lot of times it's just running and push-ups and i really just try to watch what i eat and stuff i mean i try to stay in the best shape i can be for freaking bow hunts and stuff and i mean especially out west stuff just because they're so you know there's so much involved with them but uh no, I mean, I wouldn't say nothing super crazy, man. I just try to watch what I eat, you know, and, and run, and um, I do a lot of push-ups and stuff and, and some sit-ups and whatnot, and, and just try to more like full-body workout stuff, really, than anything. I mean, I, I in my opinion, I think running, although I hate running, I think it's one of the best things you can actually do. Like, if you only do one thing workout-wise, like I feel like running, you know, stretching before, stretching after, and just straight flat-out running and jogging is about as, as good as you can do. What about I mean, the Cougars, though? Well, I mean, I can't really, you know, I, I can't talk about that too much. With Daniel being pregnant and whatnot, I mean, I just don't want to, <laughs> you know, I, I don't want to upset the bear. But, no, no that is a good one, though. Now, now, now back, back in my younger days, I mean, it was all about the curls for girls and the chest to impress, my friends. I mean, that's what it was all about. I mean, you know, it was, you know, the the hell with leg day. I'll just wear jeans. Let's make sure my arms are gigantic. <laughs> well, shit, man. We covered a lot. I appreciate the hell out of you, as always. Anything you want to say to the people before we shut her down? No, nah, man. I mean, uh, yeah, keep checking out that podcast. Uh, I, know that, I know that you guys got a bunch of good guests coming up, as always. Um, the blogs, we got some great blogs coming up. I know that the, the newest one here should be up in the next week or so. I'm going to stay on Kurt's ass till he gets it up. It'll happen. Um, It'll whether, happen. Whether he likes it or not, or I'm going to start fucking hitting him with trophy tape. 
But, uh, <laughs> mailing yeah, me no, trophy man. tape just to piss me off. <laughs> keep, <laughs> keep freaking, uh, keep, uh, keep shooting those freaking bows. And, uh, yeah, as always, chase your dreams, not your liquor. And, uh, it's been a pleasure being on. I appreciate all the feedback and all the support from everybody out there. Um, I got a pretty badass article coming out in Deer and Deer Hunting this next month, Deer and Deer Hunting Magazine. Got a couple in Peterson's Bow Hunting coming up, so check those out. I always appreciate the feedback. Let me know what you think, what you like, what you don't. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's about it. Just pumped to be back on. It's been a while. I'm uh, already looking forward to the next one, fellas. Always a good time. Hey, next one you got to be in studio. Absolutely. That's a must. Absolutely. 100% agreed on that one. Steve, you got anything to add? I've got absolutely nothing to add. Uh, this is a this is a great podcast. So Clint, you did have something for, to add? Well, I'm just saying. I've got nothing <laughs> more to add, but I want to say thank you to Clint. <laughs> okay. Well, Cameron, that's, that's all I got. No, I'm I'm doing pretty good. Waiting for my elite, so I can be part of the club. Yeah. Cameron just ordered a tempo. He did. Mm-hmm. There you go. All right. There you go. Everyone, thanks for tuning in this week. Double podcast week. We got one coming out here in a couple of days on Thursday night, or for your Friday workday morning. But in the meantime, you know what to do. Go shoot your bow. We love you. When you go out there and the fish are where you think they are, any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment.